0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Five minutes past the hour. It is hour number one of the morning show with Preston Scott. And hey, hey, the gang's all here. Over there in Studio 1A's David Allen and Ryan Carter. It is Monday, December the 5th. More on that in just a few moments. It is program 3487 and it is great to be with you. We will talk bowls in the third hour of the program. Iris Chaffel will join us for the final time before we preview the Orange Bowl, which will have Florida State taking on Michigan. It will only be the third time these two teams have met. First time they met, Michigan beat Florida State by two. The second time they met, Florida State put 51 on the board in Ann Arbor spanking the Wolverines. Now we have the third meeting, and it will be a good one. There will be lots of close-ups of Jim Harbaugh, uh, very few of Jimbo Fisher, unless a quarterback makes a mistake, and he'll be shown most definitely on the sideline talking very directly to his quarterback. That's what he does. Coach coach loves to coach.
3: Over-under on whether or not they'll
2: both be wearing khakis. Uh, I think it's strong. I think uh, that's not even an over under. I think I think you got to just give odds there, and I I think the yes has the uh, overwhelming win. Here's the thing: Will Jim Harbaugh find a way to tuck a sweatshirt into his pants like he does in the uh, in his games in Ann Arbor and up north? And I'm not sure that he'll do that in uh, in Miami, or as people from the Midwest say, Miami. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you'll just see a Michigan shirt. I don't think you'll see the sweatshirt tucked in, which is just buffoonish. It just is. However, I just spent the last 25 minutes going through the bowl schedule. By and large, this is one of the crappiest set of games I've ever seen in my life.
3: (laughs) Tell us how you really feel.
2: No, seriously, this is just bad. There isn't a game, in my opinion, of any interest. The The bowl season starts December 17th, okay, a little less than two weeks away. There isn't a game worth a flip until the 27th. And that game would be? The, uh, the Motel 6 Cactus Bowl <laughs> Motel 6 Cactus between bowl. Boise State and Baylor because they'll okay. both put some points on the You're board right. and it's not going to be on that disgusting blue field.
3: That could be a very good
2: game. Then you go to the twenty eighth. One day later, West Virginia and Miami. That's an interesting game.
3: Is it? Yes, it is.
2: But then you skip the 29th altogether. I other think West than, Virginia takes that by the way easily. Uh, the the Valero Alamo Bowl, Oklahoma State, Colorado is a good game. Um, on the thirtieth, you've got the Hyundai Sun Bowl. Of course, the Hyundai Sun Bowl is a good game. Stanford and uh, North Carolina. Then you got Michigan and Florida State on the 30th in the Orange Bowl. So that's a Friday game. That game's on a Friday. But uh but boy, you've got you've got two weeks of just garbage. Really. There just isn't I mean, normally there's some interesting matchups, even though they're teams you don't follow, that it's like, oh no, that's a good matchup. They just don't exist. These are bad. These are bad bowl games. And so not only do you have to tolerate just terrible names for bowls, I mean, they're just some of the names are just ridiculous. I mean, you know that, you know, the, the Gildan Bowl, you're going to get, you're going to get a bunch of underwear commercials with the dude from The Voice. What's his name? Blake Shelton. Is that his name? Yes. Nice guy. Seems like a really nice guy you'd want to hang out with and talk to. Personable. Yeah, very much so. But there's only so many commercials of the guy with underwear that you can watch, right? That's not the bi- the only story, big story in the press box. We've got several, and we will, as always, unpack them as the show goes on. But it's good to be with you this morning, the morning show with Preston Scott. I'll try to be better with my use of time. Um, let's do our history segment and more next as we begin on Monday, December the 5th. Spreading the good news plus traffic and weather
0: every ten minutes. It's the morning show with Preston Scott on News one, Radio 100.7 Mr. WFLA. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel.
4: <laughs> <The greatest. laughs> it's eleven
2: minutes past the hour. It's uh, it is Monday. Boy, is it Monday, huh? It's Monday over there, fellas, isn't it? No, things are starting to come together, I'm telling you. Okay. It is uh, December the 5th, though. It was on this date in 1831. What was it like for John Quincy Adams? You're asking me? Former president to be seated as as just a member of Congress. I haven't spoken to him in a while, so I, I don't really know. Well, you would have, so, you know, I thought you might have some insight. He took a seat in the U.S. House representing the state of Massachusetts after being president. That's interesting.
3: Well, think about what Bill Clinton
2: was facing. I'd rather not. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that. I I would rather not. Uh, Let's see here. In uh, 1848, just 17 years later. That's interesting when you put it in that kind of perspective. John Quincy Adams had just been president of the United States, returned to Congress as a representative. Just 17 years later, the gold rush, California gold rush began when uh, President James K. Polk confirmed the discovery of gold in California. We got gold in California. Um, 21st Amendment ending prohibition is ratified in 1933. And the bus boycott in Montgomery begins, prompted by the arrest of Rosa Parks on this date in 1955. So there you go. That's your history lesson for the morning. A couple other big stories in the press box this morning besides bowl season. We've got to talk bowling. And I'll be interested to hear if Iris Shafell thinks the bowl season is just garbage as I do. It's like, I don't get it. Why, are they, why is the bowl season just so bad? Is it because we have so many teams that aren't very good? We have too many bowl games. There's no doubt about that. We just have too many bowl games. Same folks say the same thing about
3: the NCAA basketball tournament. There's just too many teams that get in, so there's a lot of garbage games. I hear it all the time. Every year I hear the same thing. A lot of garbage games. Who says that? Who? Uh, People like Dan Patrick, national sports radio host.
2: Dan's wrong.
3: (laughs) I'll let him know.
2: Sixty four. Well, I mean, technically it's sixty eight teams, but and, and that's ridiculous. It ought to be sixty four. Um sixty-four is, it's a it's a perfect tournament because there's a gazillion basketball I, teams I, I out there. I completely
3: agree. I'm just giving the other side.
2: Now college football ought to just do the eighteen playoff and and be done with it. But uh but this is just this is anyway. Um these are the things you ought to know as you head into your work day.
3: By the way, can we put the Cleveland Browns
2: into the college football playoff system? A one and done is, I mean, that's just, that's adding an insult to injury. Seriously, I would take Alabama over Cleveland.
3: I, that's what I'm saying. I would like to see that.
2: I would take Clemson over Cleveland.
3: Ooh, that's pushing it. That's pushing it.
2: Why? Uh, I don't know. Clemson hmm. could beat Alabama. You think? Heck yeah. Okay, we'll talk any, about that later. Any team with a spread offense can beat Alabama.
3: I want to see that because they're going to get a chance.
2: Well, it's happened. That's It's happened before, and those are the teams that historically do well against Alabama. Uh, the EEOC, you ever heard of it? It's the Equal o- Employment Opportunity Commission. Another useless, unnecessary federal overreach into the private sector. They are claiming, let me, let me just read here, the increased cultural diversity of today's workplaces presents new and evolving issues with respect to Title VII's protection against national origin discrimination. Let me give you the short version. The EEOC says it is not discriminatory, discriminatory to require people to speak a second language as long as it's not English. It is discriminatory, get this now, It, according to the federal government, it is discriminatory to make a worker in America to require them to speak English. That is just obscene. Uh, Ash Carter says we better stick around in uh, Iraq. Might be a mistake to uh, leave. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. Hawaii, bracing for another foot of snow. They've already got two. They've already got two feet of snow in the upper atmosphere, the upper elevations of Hawaii. You said uh, feet? Yes, they're going to get another foot of snow added to the two they already have. Can you imagine how bad it would be if there weren't global warming? 16 minutes past the hour in the morning show.
0: Oh, the fun doesn't stop here. Find more on his blog, WFLAFM.com, keyword Preston.
2: 21 minutes past the hour. Good morning. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba
4: Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect
0: daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
0: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
2: It's the morning show with Preston Scott. David Allen over there. Ryan Carter over there. I'm here yet again as we start counting down the days to the arrival of Kay Kringle. In fact, uh, just 19 days from now, Kay Kringle will start making his appointed rounds. 19. 19 days, gentlemen. 19 days. It's amazing. I still don't know what to get myself for Christmas. Really? Not sure?
3: That's not true either. I'm (laughs) I'm, I'm
2: wearing... I'm
3: wearing... (laughs) I've already bought myself like two or three things, so...
2: What? Why? Why is that so funny? I, I just don't know what to get myself for Christmas. And then wave of honesty comes over <laughs> him. No, that's not true. I've already been buying myself presents. Um, this under the category of go figure. Ash Carter, Secretary of Defense, outgoing. Okay, he's leaving. He's got what? A little less, a little more than a month to go before the president takes office, Donald Trump still still have trouble saying that without laughing out loud and and he appoints his own team. Now Ash Carter says, let me let me just read the quote, talking about the United States and its allies in Iraq. But there will be much more to do after we make sure ISIL stays defeated. We'll need to continue to counter foreign fighters trying to escape. And ISIL's attempts to relocate or reinvent itself. To do so, not only the United States, but our coalition must endure and remain engaged militarily. Oh, you mean the United States and its partners need to stay? You mean the decision by President Barack Obama, which was politically driven with not an ounce of military intelligence behind it, which, oh, by the way, forced the resignation or retirement of, of a wealth of bright minds and military leadership because they did not agree and he would not have them in places of authority um, like James Mattis, United States Marine Corps, retired three years ago. You mean that strategy of bringing the troops home wasn't smart? Remember this is this is again one of the problems we've had with President Barack Obama. He just doesn't know what he doesn't know. I have every reason to believe that Donald Trump as president will trust people who know what he doesn't know. You know how I know that? Because he's been successful in business. Yes, he's been he's he's lost money in business too but you learn lessons in business and you get better and you get advice and i personally think that when it comes to military donald trump's not going to pretend i know what to do i would bring all of the troops home because it is militarily the correct thing he's going to look at people around him like james madison say what's the right move It's just interesting, now that Ash Carter's on his way out, he all but admits that the entire foreign policy of the president in Iraq has been wrong.
3: I don't disagree with your take on Trump asking for help of those around him. I just go back to the to the quote that he made in his run
2: that he knew more than the generals did. I think he's talking about the generals that um, that Barack Obama left around him, that were Basically, kissing his rear end, telling him what he wanted to hear. You've got the Secretary of Defense. I mean, the quote of Ash Carter is the dead opposite of the president's long-standing foreign policy in Iraq. It is as opposite as can be. The president, we're pulling them all out. Ash Carter, no, you better leave them behind. Isn't that was being? Isn't that what was being argued when George W. left office? You, argue, you know, Say what you will about the war in Iraq. I personally think it was the right thing to do. Having said that, it doesn't matter. You've committed, you're there. George W. Bush understood because he had good leadership advising him. You can't pull everybody out of there. It's not stable. Obama did. Why? Political reasons. Not because it was the right thing to do. The vacuum's created, ISIL's created, ISIS is created. Ash Carter now, fast forward eight years, saying, and I'm just paraphrasing his own words, we better not make that mistake again. Interesting that he's saying it now that he's a month and a half, a month away from being out of the job. Where was Ash Carter offering this advice before? I know, he wasn't Secretary of Defense the whole time. 27 minutes past the hour. When we come back, let's do some news, some big stories, and more. It is Monday on The Morning Show with Preston Scott.
0: Listen when you want or listen again. The Preston Scott Podcast is at WFLAFN.com. Out of all the Rangers, you know you're the mastermind.
2: 41 minutes past the hour. Run, run, Rudolph. Randolph, eight, two, I mean, honest and truly, the first decent bowl game isn't until the 28th of December, and that's uh, West Virginia-Miami. Bowls start on the 17th, and they're just – that's Saturday the 17th, and they're just all bad. It's really a bunch of bad games, but we'll watch them because it's football. Here's the good thing about bad bowl games. You can just have it on while you're doing other things. You know, you can get some other stuff done. That's the good thing. Sometimes bowl season can be a real distraction getting things done.
3: So it's like playing Christmas music in the background. You're just playing bowls in the background? Yeah,
2: yeah, it's just something going on while you're, you know, doing stuff around the house, doing a little decorating, maybe helping, you know, bake some stuff with your wife or get some, I don't know, whatever it might be that you're doing. Or you just get out. You don't, you know, you're not at home. You, you don't feel like you're missing something. That's the other thing. I guess it's good for the shopping season. We get bad bowl games. FSU, of course, taking on Michigan in the Orange Bowl. That game will be on Friday, December the 30th. As opposed to Saturday, the um, the thirty first, where you've got the national semifinals, so that's good. Uh, some other big stories in the press box. This this falls under the category of you just got to be kidding me. New rules being enforced by the EEOC, otherwise known as the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, states that uh, require get this your your in business, in America, and you have the audacity to say, you must speak English to do this job. That is a violation of the federal laws now. It is discriminatory, and you will be prosecuted. But if I'm your supervisor and I can't communicate with you? It doesn't matter. You may not discriminate because they have now extended national origin. National origin, I get Although you'd have a hard time persuading me that there's not some serious vetting going on in certain companies that do work with national defense contracting that don't, let's say, look real strong at people from the Middle East. But the bottom line is they have now taken, for example, you've you've got a bunch of applications, and these people are all from, you know, from, from North Dakota and, and Wyoming and California and New York to Bangladesh and Morocco and Mexico and Yugoslavia. Does that even exist anymore? I don't even know. Do we even have Yugoslavia anymore? It's probably some country whose name I don't even know now. But you get my point. You've got all these diverse nationalities. Now they're saying not only can you not hold that against them, which, fine, okay, but if they don't speak English and they speak their native tongue, you can't hold that against them. That's a form of discrimination. If they don't speak English and you don't hire them because of that, that is now discrimination. So now you're just making up another reason why you can't hire them under the guise. Well, no, now we're, now we're making up reasons you can't. No, I'm saying if you're an employer, then you have to come up with another reason. Yeah, Listen, good luck oh, with that. Yeah, well, it's because, you know, they, they weren't physically able to do the job. You know. oh, whatever. You know, in essence, you got to lie. Yes. And this is now, but I, I want you to just kind of, let's circle back to something. Republicans have control of 35, 37 state legislatures. Is it time for a constitutional amendment that to be a citizen of this country, you must speak the language. First of all, is there anything wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with suggesting that to be a citizen here, to become a naturalized citizen of this country, you must speak the language? I think the snowflakes might have something to say about that. I'm asking, is there anything wrong with that? If so, what? I. Speaking of snowflakes, Hawaii bracing for another foot of snow. Another foot. I thought global warming was a settled science. Climate change. Ah, no, 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 no,
0: no. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family. Cannolis and spins mean everything. Now,
3: you want to get mixed up in the family
0: business. Introducing The Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome
5: to the family.
4: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit
2: It was, and I was prepared for that. <laughs> no, it was global warming, and it was proclaimed a settled science. The earth is getting warmer. Can't be. Can't be. Well, these kinds of anomalies, no, 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 no. no. You said global warming. The Donald has named Ben Carson to be his nominee for Secretary of HUD. That just in 46 minutes past the hour.
0: All the stories used for the Preston Scott Morning Show and some that weren't. It's the best and the rest at WFLAFM.com. Keyword Preston.
2: Fifty one minutes past the hour. Good morning. If you're just waking up with us, it's the morning show with Preston Scott. I'm Preston. Over there in Studio 1A, David Allen and Ryan Cartage, program thirty-four eighty seven. Read an opinion piece that was it, it ran nationwide through USA Today and all of their satellite newspapers across the country. Of course, that's how. USA Today boosts its, uh, its dwindling circulation. USA Today puts content in local papers like the Tallahassee Democrat and others. And by doing so, it claims additional circulation that way and thus can keep its rates inflated for advertising in USA Today. But this ran through the Gannett Network and its ambassador to, uh, to Trump. Mexico is not the enemy. Now, this is Carlos Manuel Sada Solana. Wow, what a name, huh? Mexico's ambassador to the U.S. Says we're not paying for the wall. No surprise there. But he went on to say that building an actual wall could hurt the environment. (laughs) Did he really say that? Building an actual wall could hurt the environment and curtail trade between the two countries. Quote, we fear that there's going to be consequences regarding environmental issues. It's also going to be sending a very negative message. What we say is we like to build bridges. Thank you, Ambassador. Said he would prefer to see the U.S. pass immigration reform legislation. Does it smack any of you as just a little out of place for an ambassador? representing a nation that is allowing the invasion of its northern neighbor, its valued trade partner, does it trouble you at all that he's telling us what we ought to be doing? It does me. And I'm not even in the government, but it slightly offends me. Why don't we just invade? It in, Well, we're being invaded. No, why don't we just invade? Why don't we just take it over? Well, here's my thing. First, and, I and would, That's tongue-in-cheek, of course. Well, I wouldn't want it. You know that's like that's, Cancun? No, it no, seriously, I wouldn't want it. I would want Cancun. Well, you can have Cancun. You can go ahead and be the the ruler of Cancun. Ooh, do you hear that, Ryan? He made me the ruler of Cancun. He is David of Cancun. But David,
3: I like that.
2: Yeah. That's what I want for Christmas. That's you want Cancun. <laughs> um I you know, it's it's sort of like if you've got relatives that have junk and they offer to give you their their old junk and you're like, no, I really don't want to spend the time it would take to fix up that junk. You know, Mexico is a unique fixer-upper if, if we were to use housing parlance. Mexico would require an extraordinary amount of effort to fix. But here's what I do say. Rather than invade Mexico, though they are invading us, how about we just say to Mexico... You know what? We'll play a game of chicken with you. Let's see who lasts longer. We're not trading with you. See ya. Goodbye. And we just stop. Stop. Now, after a couple of weeks of that, would you like to resume a normal relationship where you control your border and people aren't flooding through your country illegally? To enter ours, yes or no. I, I it this, this idea that building a wall would would harm the environment is laughable. But the notion that Mexico's telling the United States what it ought to do is remarkably offensive to my sensibilities. No. Mexico, you are hypocritical. Your laws on people entering your country illegally are harsh and very exacting. But you seem to have a remarkable tolerance for people passing through your country illegally. Now let's change that. And let's talk about your immigration system. And then we can talk about resuming trade. That would be my answer as president. So now in the first hour of the program, we have two actions that are inside my, my overall blueprint if I were president of the United States and I got two terms. One is I would request states to uh, come forward with a constitutional amendment to make English the official language of the country. Second, I would look at Mexico and I would squarely look them in the eye and say, we are stopping all trade. It's up to you. (laughs) Unbelievable. All right, 57 minutes past the hour. We've got news and more on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. It's five minutes past hour number two of the morning show with Preston Scott. How are you? Hope your day's off to a reasonably good start. If not, make it so. Just make it happen. Attitude is everything. My coach in high school, Jerry Dawson, Chaparral High School, used to say, PMA, boys, PMA, positive mental attitude. And so uh, I always, I try my very best to start the day very excited about what the prospects might be for the day, despite whatever challenges may come. And there are always challenges, but uh, we welcome you to the morning show. I'm Preston Scott. Over there is David Allen and Ryan Carter. Big stories in the press box. The bowl season is set. It's really bad. It's a stinky bowl season, but there are some great bowl games. There just aren't many of them. One of them is Florida State-Michigan. Think about this for just a second. Florida State has long been considered out of the conversation for the national title. Actually, when when they got boat raced by Louisville, they they sort of lost that opportunity. I personally think they were still in the hunt. Um, think about, they, they got humiliated by Louisville, but... They got beat by North Carolina. It never should have happened. And they had every opportunity to beat Clemson. They were every bit the equal to Clemson.
3: I think that if they had played them later in the year, they would have beaten them. Who? Florida State would have beaten Clemson they
2: well, I kind of think they played them pretty late in the year. They
3: did, but they got even better. You're saying l- even later? Even even later than later.
2: Well, at the latest. But but you could say that about you know a lot of teams playing better sure later. I, I, I just I my point is Florida State is better than their their record indicates, I think. Even though I don't think they played near their potential this year. My point, my sub-point is Florida State playing a team that two weeks ago was a likely member of the Final Four playing for a national title in the Orange Bowl is a pretty good bowl game. Michigan-Florida State is a pretty iconic matchup, and that is a good bowl game. So that's one of the good ones. Uh, You should know the playoff will be... Alabama Washington in game 1 on December 31st the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl uh Alabama will have so many fans in that stadium you almost feel bad for Washington they they're just I just don't see a lot of Washington fans traveling to Atlanta for that football game and then you've got uh in the Fiesta Bowl you've got Ohio State Clemson and both of those fan bases will travel very well, especially Ohio State. So there's your uh, your big four. Other big stories in the press box before we get to Steve Stewart in just a moment or two. Uh, according to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, extension of the federal government, the EEOC, the increased cultural diversity of today's workplaces presents new and evolving issues with respect to Title VII's protection against national origin discrimination so consequently you may not force an employee to speak english and you may not not hire them for that reason that's discrimination so let me see if i understand this this by the way goes back to the 1964 title seven uh civil rights act of 1964 so if i understand this properly and i do Speak. Making sure your employees speak fluent, coherent, logical, understandable English is a discriminatory requirement and is not allowed per the federal government. I'm not making this stuff up. Donald Trump said he's going to tax 35% any business from the United States that goes overseas and tries to send its product back. And oh, by the way, there's another foot of snow expected on the mountaintops of Hawaii. That's on top of the two feet it's already had. Ten minutes after the hour, it's The Morning Show with Preston Scott. First to
0: Know The Morning Show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7, WFLA.
2: And if you want to know the first to know the truth, then you just simply. At Tallahassee Reports. If you want to know what's going on in the capital city and the surrounding region, independent investigative journalism, it's as simple as going to the website. Makes a great Christmas gift, a subscription. Think about that as a stocking stuffer. That's showing you care. TallahasseeReports.com is the website. Subscribe right there. Steve Stewart joins us this morning. Hey, Steve. Good morning, Preston. How are you doing? I'm doing well. The continuing saga of City Commissioner Scott Maddox. What's the latest?
4: Well, yeah, obviously you know this, this is uh, being dragged on, and I think it's, begin- uh, it's becoming more about process than it is actually the issue of residency, although there are a lot of issues with that. Um, basically, the order from Judge Gevers is due on Tuesday. However, um, I understand that the League of Cities now is going to uh, intervene with the Supreme Court, um, issue of uh, arguing that the city is the one who should decide this. So that's some breaking news that I I think no one has reported yet. So the League of Cities is going to join the city of Tallahassee. They had filed a brief with the Supreme Court saying that the the first district court of appeal overstepped their authority and the actual issue of residency should be left to be decided by the city uh, commission. Um, The other issue, uh, looking over uh, the case this weekend, is this whole, the whole thing on the judicial process, the discovery is going to be another issue in an appeal, regardless of what Judge Gevers did. What we could tell from the, the orders that were filed in the case is she did no better than Judge Dodson in allowing discovery, um, in the sense that she did not compel uh, Mr. Maddox and his attorneys to turn over anything uh, that was asked for. And so uh, simple things like statements, credit card statements to show where you're paying them from, uh, your your address where you filed your IRS you, you know, your your personal taxes. On what grounds? Now, did, actual, on what no, grounds did
2: she say no to that?
4: She just never addressed it, Preston. It was very confusing for uh, the plaintiff's attorney. I went and did some research. Uh, they originally had a uh, she issued an order and said the parties were to get together and uh, you know and handle the discovery. And then uh, Mr. Jackson's attorneys filed a motion to compel, said they weren't cooperating. She never addressed it. Uh, her excuse was there was not enough time. But, again, that's you're, talking nonsense. About, yeah, you're talking about copies of one-page documents. You're not asking for the full IRS return. You're only asking for the address page. but So that's going to be – I only say that uh, to bring up that I think this is going to be – it's going to go again to the first DCA because of discovery issues. But, um, again, I think it's – as you saw with the Tallahassee Democrat editorial – You know, this has really become is exposed a lot of other issues in the community with regards to, uh, you know, insiders, uh, the judicial system and and things of that nature.
2: Steve, I I think the thing that frustrates me, I can't speak for anybody else more than anything, is this is a simple matter of the truth. And the truth is Scott Maddox has lived outside the city for years. The truth is that's where he and his family reside. The truth is, he's not eligible to be a city commissioner any more than I am, and I live in the county. The bottom line here is, I- I'm going to put the onus on the state legislature to fix this kind of nonsense. It's a real simple fix.
4: No, it, it is, and I think, you know, again, as I wrote, and if you go to the TossReports.com now, I wrote a blog about this whole issue of residency goes all the way back to when John, uh, Mayor John Marks ran for office. Um, you know, he didn't live in the city. Um, and he finagled the system to qualify by putting an address down in the, in the city that he didn't live at um, and then had his house annexed in. And so the city has been aware of this. But I think, again, I think politicians like the ambiguity of the law so that they can make it work for them when they need it. And, you know, and the thought that, you know, the, I think the talented Democrat wrote that they think the city should do away with the residency requirement is, and, you know, we're going to do some research on this, is a complete joke.
2: It's laughable. Um, so,
4: it is, it is so laughable. So, you know, you got somebody from McCulloch County can run for the city commission. It, 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 you know, again, it's a simple rule, like you said, and we propose a solution in an article that, that I wrote uh, and posted last night. Again, very simple process, but you got to have the will to do it.
2: Steve, stand by. Steve Stewart with me this morning. We'll continue our discussion 16 minutes past the hour actually knows what
0: figgy pudding is the morning show with preston scott on news radio 100.7 wfla
2: 21 minutes past the hour of the morning show with preston scott mondays and thursdays we talk to steve stewart of tallahassee reports the executive editor the website tallahassee reports.com makes a perfect christmas gift to someone that needs to know what's going on or wants to know what's going on in florida's capital city it's easy it's going to tallahassee reports.com steve just read your op-ed in the uh, in the commercial break there, uh, talking about Scott Maddox and uh, the the doings of the city over the time that that it's been handling issues of residency, which go back to previous Mayor John Marks. Uh, again, they're just I, I personally think whether it's the state that has to do something or a local referendum, as we had before. I think people voters' intent on this would be very very clear. There is an, a reasonable expectation for lawmakers or for elected officials to live in the jurisdiction of the election?
4: Well, yeah, I mean, they require voters to, to live in the jurisdiction. I mean, you can't vote. You know, uh, people in the county can't vote for the city commissioners, although they're being taxed through their electric bill. Uh, but that's another issue. But I think I think the solution here, and this is where I think there's going to be uh, some, uh, you know, there'll be some cooperation with Democrats and Republicans. Uh, across the board here is that what you do is you go ahead and do a referendum that creates districts within the city, um, and then you go ahead and change the residency issue at that time. Because I think there are a number of people on both sides of the aisle uh, and independents who do not like this at-large approach that the city is using. Um, it doesn't hold leaders accountable to each other, um, and, you, and you get some you get some weird outcomes. You get areas of towns that are being ignored area of the town that's being ignored with some very basic services. Um, so I think that would be the way to address the issue here locally would, would be through a referendum. But, again, this gets back. If you start looking at some of the insiders, and without even passing judgment uh, on, on the Maddox issue, you, you know, one of the things this has highlighted is that it's, it's an issue that needs to be addressed, and why aren't the elected officials addressing it? It seems like they just want to protect the ambiguity so it gives them the leeway to do what they want to do. Well, it's and been an
2: I, issue on state, on state races, too.
4: Right, and, and and I think again that, that's because they like the uh, ambiguity. Now maybe the Speaker of the House, who is coming out with a strong reform agenda, um, you know, will address that issue. But but you're exactly right. It's been an issue in a a, a lot of different areas. And I think I sent you a link on an article from uh, Los Angeles where they actually convicted two or three people for uh, you know vote, basically voter fraud. Well, uh, they're going to jail. Yeah, commissioners, city commissioners, and maybe I'll post that on our website so people can get a perspective. Of exactly, you know how serious this can be,
2: Steve. I, I won't, I won't let you go there. I'm just going to throw this as an opinion. I'm also very concerned with our local judiciary. I'm very concerned with uh, the makeup of our local circuit court system, given the uh, the unwillingness to allow discovery in this case on at two different courtrooms now I think it casts a great shadow over the Leon County Circuit Court but that's for another day Uh, real quickly in closing here what do we know about the local economy how are we doing here uh, in this part of the state
4: yeah the reason I wanted to talk about that is we 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 had a newspaper that just went out and we had a great article on how spending consumer spending has uh, almost tripled in terms of the growth rate from last year now we had a down year last year but the good news is it looks like consumer spending is headed up at back to a, uh, a level uh, of growth not seen since 2014. Uh, so I think that there's obviously some uh, stabilizing movement in terms of the local economy. We you know, last year, 2015, was not a good year coming off of a decent year in 2014. Uh, some of the things that you see, though, residential resales, we've had double-digit growth in residential resales over the last two years. That is going to come to a halt this year. Uh, although the numbers are still good, it's just the growth rate um, is going is to slow. Um, but, again, jobs, as we have talked from the cyclical nature, has grown this fall. And what will be key is to find out how they re, uh, react in January through March to see if we're going to be able to consolidate some of those gains. So what I would say is that you know compared to a year ago, there are more positive signs in the local economy.
2: What do we, uh, what do we see as far as uh, uh, some stories looking ahead to Thursday?
4: What we're looking at is we've got some data, a number of data requests in. One that I'll give you a, a tip on is we got a, a call about uh, Walani Plantation. The city bought about 450 acres ten years ago, sort of under the sort of under the radar. But we are uh, we were told that the uh, that the electric utility is the one that bought that land, um, and so there were uh, funds from the electric utility. So we've got a data request in to verify and see if uh, electric utility funds were used to buy. Uh, You know, close to $10 million worth of land, over 450 acres in the Mulani Plantation. Is that even in the
2: city limits? With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I
2: pronounce you Lucky.
3: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website
4: for details. Uh, you know, I think it was. I think it was annexed in when they bought it. It, it. It's a transaction that we're digging into to find out exactly where the money came from. Um, we're also, we're also, our interest was piqued with the mayor's responsibilities on some of the data requests we got back, um, and so we've submitted some more data requests trying to find out. Exactly, some of the actions he's taken to help the local economy in terms of recruiting businesses, and also visiting with state legislators. So we're trying to get some uh, more data on that before we write on it. But we want to find out exactly, you know, what the mayor is doing, uh, you know, and is meeting his leadership responsibilities.
2: Good stuff as always, Steve. Thanks for the time.
4: Thank you, Preston.
2: All right, Steve Stewart with Tallahassee Reports. Twenty-seven minutes past the hour. His opinion—he
0: just happens to be right. The Morning Show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7 WFLA.
2: Forty-one minutes past the hour. Of the Morning Show with Preston Scott. Next hour, Iris Chaffel will join me, and we will talk about the terrible bowl season that awaits us, with a handful of good games, including Florida State, Michigan. But first. Wow, I feel good. Time for healthy expectations. Brought to you by Tallahassee Memorial Healthcare (TMH), your hospital for life. And joining me is Dr. Joe Camps. Good morning, Joe.
1: Uh, good morning. How are you, Preston? I'm doing great. Well, um, thought I'd talk about a subject today that's uh, it's been around a long time, um, and that is um, HIV transmission. And. You know, some two million people um, get infected by HIV worldwide, and that was the case in 2015, but what I wanted to talk about is that they've now developed even another antiretroviral drug. Um, now, after treatment, after about nine months, most patients will have non-detectable um, HIV in their bloodstream. but if you test the semen um there's a harbinger in about 5 to 25% and uh the FDA has just uh, released yet another drug um that can reduce the uh semen um uh, inhabitation of uh, HIV and uh basically um, literally almost wipe this thing out so i can remember um taking care of my first patient about 30 years ago and um, we didn't know what we were dealing with. Uh, I remember I was almost in a hazmat suit um, inside of a hospital. And and nowadays um, we, we move about in the population as if, if nothing has happened. So things continue to move forward in that um in that realm and uh I'm happy to see that we make in, uh, advances uh into the treatment of of this uh dreaded issue and you know one of the things that I think may ultimately happen um we do know that viruses sometimes are involved with with certain cancers and I'm just hopeful that one day um some of these new drugs might break the code and and lead to more drugs that can treat uh some of the cancers that are resistant to the types of chemotherapy and the drugs that we use. But certainly this is another new advance and uh, just glad to be able to report on it.
2: Joe, one of the things I remember from several years ago is as the medical world was trying to get its arms around the AIDS epidemic was that uh, one of the challenges was that the virus would remain dormant for perhaps as as long as several years before it could be recognized. Absolutely. Have they made progress and being able to recognize it even in a state of dormancy?
1: Well, that's, that's the problem. And I mean, it's, it's it, because it can hide not only in the respiratory tract, um, but it certainly can hide in the, the semen. And the, the problem is, is most detection of, of most of conditions that we deal with are or, or serologic meaning that uh, we detect them in the blood and as you can see um, that sometimes can can be a challenge uh, if it harbors in the different places so I think that um, that still will probably remain a mystery um, but uh, certainly um, th- there are lots of advances as we move forward and in, in, in dealing with this problem so that's a question I don't know that I can fully answer but uh, um, maybe I'll look it up and see if I could, could get a little more information about that.
2: Last question for you, Joe, and, and, and again, this could fall into the category. We may not know the answer to it yet, but does, does someone that has gone through this treatment and has had the uh, the, the virus suppressed to the point where it, it basically disappears, but do they remain a carrier of it?
1: Yes, because it still can be a harbinger in in certain sites, and so I would – certainly recommend caution uh if you're dealing with this issue uh, because you just never know when you're dealing with viruses in my opinion all bets are off
2: good stuff joe i appreciate the information uh, all right buddy you already getting your tickets for the game
1: oh uh, well i'm i'm working on it i was waiting to see who we uh, <laughs> who we were going to play and uh, I, I tell you michigan would be a good uh i'll never forget the first game i went to the michigan game many years ago and I think it was Buckley that picked off the first pass and took it in the end zone, and Amp Lee ran all over the Wolverines that year. So hopefully, uh, number four can do a number on them as well. It'll be fun, Joe. Thanks for the time. All right, buddy. Take all care. Right. All right,
2: Doctor Joe Camps with us. Healthy expectations, brought to you by Tallahassee Memorial Healthcare (TMH), your hospital for life.
0: Got you covered. Traffic and weather every ten minutes. It's the morning show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7 WFLA.
2: 51 minutes past the hour. It's the morning show with Preston Scott. Monday, December the 5th. Next hour, Irish Chafel joins us. We'll talk college football for a couple of segments. We'll talk about FSU Michigan. Then we'll talk about how bad the bowl season is in general. Now, we'll talk about the Final Four and and, uh, Penn State fans. Uh, I understand your heartbreak, but really, just stop. Um, Enjoy the Rose Bowl. That's a good game. It's a good trip. You'll enjoy it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. At some point, my wife and I are checking that off the bucket list. We are going to the Rose Bowl parade. And whether we get to go to a game or not, I don't know. I I, I would love to do that. I don't care who's playing. It would just be fun to be at the Rose Bowl. But the parade is really the bucket list thing for us. I have always wanted to see those floats get put together. I've always wanted to be in person and see. I can't think of the last time I saw bad weather on that parade. That'll happen. It's going to happen. I told you this story last week, getting national attention. Some of the graves at Arlington National Cemetery could be bare this Christmas season. Our friend Rachel Sutherland has more from Fox News.
4: Wreaths Across America places wreaths on veterans' graves every holiday season, but this year the group is running short on donations. We
1: don't want to leave any grave marker uncovered at Arlington.
4: Wayne Hanson, chairman of the board of Wreaths Across America, says the group receives no government funding.
1: We rely on those $15 sponsorships and, and donations to help us pay for those wreaths.
4: Volunteers are planning to place donated wreaths on the graves of hundreds of thousands of veterans on December 17th. In Washington, Rachel Sutherland, Fox News.
2: Now, I'll tell you one thing that has me gravely concerned about the president elect. He is not talking about the debt. The national debt is approaching $20 trillion.
3: During the presidential election, candidates continue to promise voters more plans that would likely add even more to the national debt, like increased spending, tax cuts, and delayed changes to entitlement programs. In 2016, more than half of federal spending went to government health care and Social Security. In a nearly $4 trillion budget, health care cost more than $1.1 trillion dollars, and more than a trillion of that is just Medicare and Medicaid. In Washington, Rich Edson, Fox news
2: that is a staggering set of numbers and we are not addressing it yet here's what concerns me that just isn't trump's way to uh to make things fit the bottom line he it just isn't he just makes a deal there's good things about that ability to cut a deal the bad thing is we can't cut a deal with our debt. You have to cut it. You can't, you can't negotiate with an interest rate that is going to leave you sucking more and more and more of the GDP into interest. It doesn't work. There are many of us that, that know what happens when you're upside down and you've got more going out than you've got coming in. It's just It's inevitable. There's an inevitability to it. And and any one of us individually that's dealt with that, there's a little there's a sick feeling in your stomach. When you realize medical bills and mortgages and, and insurance payments and whatever it is. And and then you've got to get groceries and all that and and the bills are more than you have income. You 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 get sick. You you there you can't function. That's where we are. We have too much going out. We don't have enough coming in. And the answer isn't taking more out. It's cutting what's going out. We have the ability to do it. Uh, if if you can cut $1 out of every 100 you spend at the grocery store, our government can do the same. And I think we have to demand that they do it. Cut spending. We, I mean... It, and we're not even talking about some of the unfunded m- mandates that are out there that don't show up on the balance sheet. You know, for example, we're, our Social Security fund's in desperate trouble, but it doesn't show up on the federal balance sheet because it doesn't have to. Because it's not a guaranteed benefit that you or I have. If Congress doesn't want to pay it, no matter how politically foolish it would be, they have no legal obligation to pay it. The Supreme Court's already ruled it is not a debt. It's they should pay it, but they don't have to. And so because it doesn't show up on the federal balance sheet, our our national debt doesn't look worse than it does. If it were all on there, you'd be horrified. You should be horrified now. All right, come on. Let's do some news, big stories and more. Ira chappelle joins me to talk college football next on the morning show. Five minutes past the hour of the morning show with Preston Scott. Good morning. Hour number three. Great to be with you this morning. Just an FYI, um, David, am I to take that to mean that podcasts are in trouble until we get that repaired? Say again? Am I to take that to mean, uh, with the skimmer being down, that podcasts are endangered for a while? No. No. Podcasts are still being recorded?
3: Yes. That's two separate
2: things. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. So, so all right. the podcast will be up uh, shortly after nice. 9 a.m. Okay. So, if you missed any of the first two hours, remember, you get a condensed version of the show. It's telescoped, which means we just put it right together, and uh, you can listen to it on the audio page at WFLAFM.com or 94.5 WFLA. Any of the websites that uh, that carry my program, that'll work. It's uh, it's great to be with you. We'll talk college football in just a few minutes. So, I will skip... One of the big stories in the press box, which is the college football bowl season that is to come, uh, we will skip instead to the news. Doctor Ben Carson has been chosen by Donald Trump to be the Secretary of the Department of Health, and what?
4: Urban Development,
2: Housing and Urban. Development. Yeah, yeah, it's that's right. It's Housing and Urban Development, HUD. And so he did not want to. He didn't want the gimme. He didn't want the Surgeon General post, and I don't blame him. It's honest and truly, I get it. When I was talking with the late Lee Bowen about coming and doing a radio program here, I told him as long as I can do something other than sports. Sports was just, I just didn't want to do sports. I've done done—I've done sports my whole life. I've followed sports. I've covered sports. I did a sports talk show. I produced a sports talk show. I didn't want to do sports. I want to do something else. Challenging? It, well, something I wanted different? to do something that really scratched more of my itches, and my itches all revolve around life, not just sports. Sports is an expression of life, but I wanted to talk about more than that.
4: Um,
2: but you wanted a job in radio. I want to get back to radio. It's
3: my understanding that Dr. Ben Carson didn't want a job in the cabinet anywhere.
2: But if he did, he didn't want to be in the— in. Uh, in the medical field, he wanted to try and make a difference, and HUD is a really good place for him. It it might be one of those places that I I wish could just go away and be merged somewhere else. And and again, we need to contract the size of government. You do that by growing the private sector, then cutting the size of government. We got to do the one first, and then the second. But uh, Ben Carson is the choice. So you know whether you like it or don't like it, that's that's what it is. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC. It sounds like an Olympic committee. The EEOC. It is the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. It is now stating that it is interpreting the 1964 Civil Rights Act and and Title VII on discrimination. They consider it discrimination if you do not hire somebody based on the fact they don't speak English. That is staggering to me. It is also why we need to mandate English as the national language of the country, and you must speak it. And if you come to this country legally, you are required to learn the language before anything else. You are required. It is, it is part of you come to the country, you must learn the language. If you decide to be a citizen, you must absolutely learn the language. And you must pass a language proficiency test before you become a naturalized citizen. That, to me, is is absolutely a no-brainer.
3: And then if you want to go to the Olympics, representing our country, and you don't speak English, then you have to go before the EEIOC.
2: I mean, how in the world are you going to sing the national anthem, for Pete's sake? <laughs> Donald Trump vowing a 35% tax for U.S. businesses going overseas I'm not sure carrying the hammer is the way to go on that one. I think it might be smarter to just incentivize businesses staying in the first place, you know, the tax overhaul thing. But then again, he's not talking about reducing the debt, which is just mind-numbing to me. We're about $20 trillion in debt. Is somebody going to talk about it and do something about it? And then, oh, by the way, global warming sycophants, uh, gorble warming, Hawaii bracing for another foot of snow on top of the two feet it's already got. Again, it's mountaintops, but it's still the point is it's snowing. A lot of snow. And that's not supposed to happen because it's settled science. Ten minutes past the hour. Let's talk bowl games and college football next on The Morning Show with Preston Scott.
0: His job to keep you informed. The Morning Show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7, WFLA.
2: 11 minutes past the hour. Hour number three, the morning show with Preston Scott. Good morning, Monday, December 5th. Program 3,487. Great to be with you. They haven't changed the locks on me yet. And, uh, of course, one of the big stories in the press box today, it's bowl season. And in our part of the world, Florida State playing football is a big, big news story. And they're going to the Orange Bowl again, this time taking on the Michigan Wolverines. Joining me, Ira Chaffel, managing editor of warchant.com. Ira it was not really a shock that Michigan and Florida State would uh, end up being paired together in the Orange Bowl. Um, what do you think of the matchup?
5: Uh, I think it's a great matchup. I, mean, I think it's a hard matchup. I, you know, I thought for most of this year, I thought Michigan uh, might have been 1B to Alabama's 1A. I thought that they might be the best team in the country and certainly one of the top two or three. But that Iowa game happened, and then, and then the uh, Ohio State game mattered or happened, and I, I do feel bad for them because I kind of felt like they were uh, they were in the same position FSU was against Clemson in terms of some, some tough calls that went against them, and I thought Michigan was a better team. But th- at the end of the day, the committee proved that wins and losses matter, and uh, Michigan's going to the Orange Bowl.
2: You know, Florida State, if you look at their schedule, they obviously they got absolutely embarrassed and manhandled by Louisville. but they, uh, But those losses to North Carolina, I call that one a bit of a fluke. The one to Clemson, that was just a really good football game that Florida State didn't win. All things told, do you feel like FSU got as much out of this season now as they could have given those three losses?
5: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, and I think that's always going to be the thing that, you know, kind of FSU fans have to kind of rectify or, or, or deal with and reconcile is the fact that, uh, you know, this was a team that probably had the potential to be the team we've seen these last seven games all year, if they had started off that way, uh, you know, I don't know if they win at Louisville, but they certainly don't get embarrassed. Uh, They certainly should win the North Carolina game. Um, And, you know, if if that had happened, maybe if they'd been kind of fixed things earlier, especially with pass protection and things like that, you know, maybe they knock off Clemson at home and maybe they're in the playoffs. So I think uh, there's a little bit of what it could have should have, I think with this team, but at the same time, you know, when you're three and two early in the season, a team that came in as a top five team, it could have gone downhill quick. I was one of the many people I think that thought there was a real good chance that could happen. Jimbo Fisher's even admitted he was concerned that could happen at that point in the season, but for them to play as well as they did these last seven games, I think it's a good thing that they're being rewarded with such a big bowl game. Cause a lot of teams would have folded at that point.
2: Let's uh, get your early analysis of the game against Michigan. What do you think? Uh, you know, man, that Michigan defense is for real.
5: Um, but So I think that's going to be the great matchup is that side of the ball. when Florida State uh, is on offense because FSU's offense has gotten better and better as DeAndre Francois has gotten more comfortable. And obviously Dalvin Cook is, is Dalvin Cook. And the, uh, the pass protection has gotten a lot better. But Michigan I may mean, get after the quarterback. I think they have 44 sacks they I think they're second or maybe third or fourth in the country in sacks. FSU's number one with 47 sacks. Um, so, you know, I think Florida State's offense against that defense is going to be a great matchup. I also like Michigan's quarterback, uh, the Wilton Spate, Spite. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Spade or Spite? Spate. Um, Wilton Spate, but he's a, he's a tough kid. He kind of reminds me of Harbaugh as a player. Uh, you know, Harbaugh was very just a gritty kind of guy. Did, didn't always throw the, the perfect pass, um, but just was a really competitor. and And I've been impressed with that kid the way he's played through injuries um, down the stretch. You know, the other thing I think that's a positive for FSU is he's not a real mobile quarterback. That's one thing that's given FSU a lot of trouble.
2: Yeah, I like FSU's defense in this game to match up very well. It's a pro style offense, and I think they play that type of offense as well as any, uh, given that, you know, they've had notable struggles. Ira, stand by. We're going to talk about the other bowl games. I want to know if Ira thinks that the overall bowl schedule, does he think it's as crappy as I do? Because I think it's just awful. I, I can't find many games to be interested in until Florida State Michigan play, but we'll talk about that and more next. It's the Morning Show with Preston Scott.
0: Strength of ten Grinches plus two. The Morning Show with Preston Scott on News Radio one hundred point seven WFLA,
2: and twice as much strength as Cindy Lou Who. I'm Preston Scott, David Allen, Ryan Carter over there, and Ira Schaffel joining me from warchant.com. That's where you get all the intel you would ever want, and then some, on Florida State Athletics. He's with me talking bowl season. Ira, I look at the Final Four. I see yeah, I'm okay with it for the most part. I understand why Penn State fans are whining, but they probably shouldn't have been throttled by Michigan, right?
5: Oh, I agree 100%. I, I've uh, very little sympathy for a team with two losses when a bunch of other teams have one loss. And, uh, you know, I think they got it right. I've com- I've complained about this committee a lot since it was first formed, but I-, I think they probably got it right this time.
2: Is it inevitable? We go to eight teams.
5: Oh, I think hundred percent. And I think that was the plan all along. I think they knew they couldn't uh, get college administrators to, to, to stomach eight teams right off the bat, because it will be a challenge. Uh, And it may affect the regular season scheduling a little bit uh, to make it happen. But but I think they knew when they went to four, there would be so much controversy between number three and number six uh, that there would be a clamoring to go to eight. And I think that's what's going to happen,
2: because, I mean, at that point, you've got your conference five title winners and then a Penn State or whoever gets in if they win the title. But then you pick your best three teams at large and you've got a playoff.
5: Yeah, I think it's a it's a no brainer. You know, again, the problem is, uh, what do you do? You know, if the, you don't want the schedule to go into the spring semester when classes <laughs> are already starting <laughs> for the next semester, I mean, we, we we already know that you know some college football players have a tough time staying eligible through a bowl game, let alone into the next semester. And then you know, you've got kids who want to go pro and other issues. But you know, at the same time, and at the same time, those schools don't want to give up their 12th game of the regular season. They don't want to give up these lucrative conference championship games. So they're going to have to figure it out. But, uh, you know, and and people will always say, oh, well, the number nine team will be left out. Well, I don't care about the number nine team, but I I do care about the five and six teams usually.
2: How about my idea? My idea, which we've never talked about, Ira, is we go to 16 teams and the top eight seeds play at home. The first round is played at the higher seeded team. That gives them that added home game for revenue purposes you've got a guaranteed sellout instead of some of these bowl games that have no crowds whatsoever then that first round losers they start filling out some of the middle bowls and then from uh from those final eight teams forward you're playing in bowl games and and the games matter
5: well I think the prop one of i mean one, you know I think there's some merit to that but one of the problems obviously is these bowls are not giving up their grip on their money and uh you know there's a lot of uh you know people involved in a lot of these bowl games and they make a lot of money off of them and uh it just seems like whatever happens the bowls aren't going to be cut out cut out uh, of the mix
2: we won't lose a one of them my way we keep them all tell me this though as you looked at the overall bowl schedule i called it crap i think the bowl game the, i think this is one of the worst seasons i've ever seen normally there's a couple of games in the first uh you know maybe 10 games that at least are interesting to me none of these are interesting to me they're terrible
5: <laughs> it's a lot of them are like you know it's like it's kind of like the the morning talk shows that you leave on tv hey 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 hey. no 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 tv tv morning talk shows. <laughs> okay not not the entertaining <laughs> gripping Radio talk shows in Tallahassee. No, uh, yeah. No, you know how, like, when you're walking around in the morning getting ready and you've got the TV on in the background? That's yeah. what these college football games will be during the, during the bowl season for the most part. And a lot of them, like, I want to like them. Like, I've looked at some of the matchups and I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, you've got some teams that some name programs. But then you remember what they looked like this season, and there was a lot of average in college football this year, and I think you're going to see that in the bowl games.
2: But who cares about Central Michigan and Tulsa or Memphis and Western Kentucky or or UCF and Arkansas State? Come on. These are awful football games.
5: Hey, we got Temple and Wake Forest. Don't forget about them. There's some, there's some other good matchups. South Carolina. And South Seriously,
2: okay. What's the first game on this? I don't know if you've got it in front of you. This was this was unfair of me. What's the first game that has a just a, some interest to you?
5: I actually do have it in front of me. Once you you, you gave me the heads up before the last uh, the break there, but uh, I, you know, I it's it's maybe North Carolina Stanford right before. Uh, the, game, see, you're, the, the, you're,
2: same, the same day you can't find one either see I no, found the tough. only one that I found that holds any interest despite its crappy name is the motel Six Cactus Bowl because <laughs> Boise State's not playing on that ridiculous blue field and because they're playing Baylor and at least there might be some points scored
5: I, that's a, that's a good one I just don't understand like the the one game I, I you know you could not pay me to watch and i'll turn it off if anybody puts it on. Is, is uh, Was it Boston College and Maryland? Yeah. I, I mean, I could not pick two teams in Power 5 conferences. I would less rather watch the Boston College and Maryland. It,
2: it, it, if for no other reason, because Maryland's, you know, uh, test dummy uniforms, just I can't stomach them. <sighs> <laughs> hey, um, we'll get together before the, uh, the FSU-Michigan uh, game sometime before the holidays and give it one final look. But, Ira, thank you so much for offering your time to us this season. It's really been a delight. We've enjoyed it very much.
5: I've enjoyed it, too. Thanks a lot, Preston. Take
2: thank care. you. Ira Chaffel with WarChant.com. Always like tole- co- talking college football with Ira. It's 27 minutes past the hour. It's the morning show.
0: Always looking for the truth. It's the morning show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7, WFLA.
2: Tomorrow on the program, author Craig Nelson joins us, part two. I interviewed him back a couple months ago. We talked about the buildup of the attack on Pearl Harbor. He is a historian. He's got a book out by uh, Scheinman and Schuster. And the book is Pearl Harbor from Infamy to Greatness. And um, day after tomorrow on the 7th, it is the 75th anniversary of that attack. And I don't know if you heard, but the prime minister of Japan is coming. And uh, we'll be going to Pearl Harbor. And that's good. I I mean, I, I didn't have a problem with Obama going to Japan. I don't have a problem with the Prime Minister of, of Japan coming here. That's fine. But uh, we'll talk to Craig Nelson about the the event itself and the aftermath. Uh, Pearl Harbor, many could, you know, I think would point to Pearl Harbor and say it dramatically changed the trajectory of this nation and ironically for the better. Despite the loss of life, which was huge, and the sacrifice of our our parents and for some, our grandparents, it, it, the, the, the nation changed in very dramatic ways for the better as a result of uh, what took place there. But we'll talk about that. High Tech Tuesday tomorrow as well. And, um, and of course, we start, though, this segment with the big stories in the press box. We were talking with Irish Chapel bowl season. You've got Michigan and Florida State playing in the Orange Bowl on the 30th. That's Friday the 30th down in Miami uh been to several football games down there it, it there really isn't a bad seat in the house um it don't know what your prices are your packages and all that overall i think bowl season's very lackluster i think it's a bad bowl season the the matchups of any interest and note don't really even begin until uh i mean you'd be hard pressed to find a decent game before really oklahoma state colorado number 12 and number 10 and uh and that's, and that's number 10 just in certain polls. Uh, FSU-Michigan is a great matchup, and that's on Friday the 30th. And by the way, you might want to just kind of note, that's an 8 o'clock game for Friday the 30th. So uh, you, can, you can plan your couch skating accordingly. I, I'm already thinking menu. <laughs> that's just going to be great. And I'll tell you what's going to make it better. Even though in my family we have split allegiances to a certain extent, as long as Ohio State and Florida State aren't playing, I'm pulling for Ohio State all the time because I like I like first I like the uh, the fact that my family's all identified with with uh, Ohio State my uh, my wife my stepsons my my in laws they all Buckeyes to the core and I love the Ohio State marching band but this game will be fun because not only do they pull for Florida State when when not playing Ohio State they're Florida State fans Florida State will be playing. Ohio State's arch enemy, Michigan. And so they Buckeyes around the world will be Florida State fans on that night. So that's good. That's good and fun. The, uh, the final four set Alabama-Washington in the first semifinal on New Year's Eve, followed by Clemson and Ohio State. Clemson had Ohio State's number the last time they played. Don't think that'll happen the same way this time. I think that's just going to be a really good game. So we will uh, we will have to wait and see. Other big stories in the press box: the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission has now stated that it is discrimination if you do not hire somebody because they don't speak English. <laughs> Here, I thought it was just a kind of a matter of needing to communicate with your employees, but no, no. You, that is an extension of the 1964 Title VII Civil Rights Act, and that is absolute ridiculousness. But it is what it is, and they're going to enforce it while they can till the Donald takes over. I suspect he would wipe that out, but we'll we'll have to live with it for a while. Speaking of uh, the Donald, Trump vowing a 35% tax on all U.S. business going overseas. I think you're smarter offering incentives and in changing tax policy and lowering regulation. Incentivize. Put a little honey out there. Don't carry the thunder stick yet. And Hawaii bracing for another foot of snow. Just saying. Forty minutes past the hour, the morning show with Preston Scott. You
0: the facts. The morning show with Preston Scott on News Radio one hundred point seven WFLA.
2: Forty one minutes past the hour. You know, my my regret so far. Not regret, that's bad choice of words, sorry. My lament so far with uh, President-elect Trump, I like a lot of things he's doing. I don't like that he still hasn't gotten around to dealing with the fact that we are growing our debt, and that has to stop. And I'm still not seeing it from Congressman Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House. Mitch McConnell, oh my goodness, I got a story here on Mitch McConnell. I just didn't get to it. It's just going ag- to aggravate you to no end. Um, it, It's same old, it? same old, same uh, old. Did
3: you include it on The Best and the Rest? I did. Okay, I did. so we can find it there.
2: We can find it there. It's, just, it's a story that I haven't talked about yet. I'll do it probably tomorrow, but annoying. Um, on the subject of annoyance, Mark Wahlberg is not on that list. He is now growing in stature to me as Matt Damon lowers himself, even though I prefer Matt Damon as an actor over Mark Wahlberg, though Mark Wahlberg is okay. I think he's a decent actor. That's the perfect word for him. Decent? He's a decent actor. I think he is. I, you know, he's not like silly bad or anything like that. I think Damon is better. He is. But I think that Mark Wahlberg's a good actor. I'm, I'm good with that. No, decent. Don't don't go to Good. Mr. Mr. Movie guy over there. I wasn't sure if he was sneezing or scoffing at your... Uh... Yes. It was both. It was both, okay. <laughs> um, Mark Wahlberg told uh, Task and Purpose magazine, quote, a lot, a lot of celebrities did, do, and shouldn't talk politics. They might buy your CD or watch your movie, but you don't f- put food on their table. You don't pay their bills. A lot of Hollywood is living in a bubble. They're pretty much out of touch with the common person, the everyday guy out there providing for their family. He said, me, I'm very aware of the real world. I come from the real world and I exist in the real world. And although I can navigate Hollywood and I love the business and the opportunities it's afforded me, I also understand what it's like to not have all that. So his advice to Hollywood is just shut up, quit talking politics. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen now, is it? And so I turn the page to another story. Mark Hamill. <sighs> Mark is the perfect segue out of that story to this. He's got a show apparently called Pop Culture Quest. Now, I don't know where it airs. I wouldn't. It it wouldn't bother me to never know where it airs. He said, um, while it's tempting to say he'll leave the country under President Trump, it's more challenging to stay and defend our country to do what you think is right. Because if you look at what's being assembled for our government, it's like, yikes. It's a who's who of really despicable people. Yeah. See, here's my problem. My problem now is that I really just don't like him now and I was really excited for the next Star Wars installment not not Rogue One which I can't wait to see but the next official Star Wars movie which is episode eight now besides looking unnervingly like my brother Mark Hamill as he's aged has not aged very well he looks really rough and again, remarkably like my brother. This is going to be tough for me. Because I really don't like that statement. Then Carrie Fisher opens up her mouth and talks about the affair that she had at the age of 19 with a married with two children, Harrison Ford, during the original Star Wars movies. Lee, could, the, could they ruin this anymore? Central. It's 46 minutes past the hour of the morning show.
0: New presence every day on his blog page at WFLAFM.com. Keyword, Preston.
2: 51 minutes past the hour of the morning show with Preston Scott. Good to be with you this morning. Woo! Yeah, 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 yeah. We've got... um, Tomorrow on the program, we've got uh, Craig Nelson on the show, not Craig T. Nelson, but Craig Nelson. He's an author, and he is um, author of the book Pearl Harbor from Infamy to Greatness and he is uh, going to join us talking about the anniversary, the 75th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, which takes place on uh, on Wednesday. So we'll get a little preview of that as well as talk some more about his book. But uh, over the weekend, yeah, I mean, there were some things that happened in sports, things that happened in news. This one snuck by most everybody. Tiger Woods shooting a four over for his final round at the Hero World Challenge Sunday. A tough
0: end to his return with three bogeys and three double bogeys as he finishes the tournament at four under, landing in 15th place. Tiger on getting back to competition. It's been a long break. It's been a very difficult
4: break and uh, for me to get back out here and play. Man, it, it really did feel good.
0: Tiger finishes his first tournament back with 24 birdies. That total second to the Hero World Challenge champion Hideki Matsuyama. Matt Napolitano, Fox News.
3: Yes. I just wondered if he was wearing his red shirt yesterday.
2: I don't know if he wore red on uh, on Sunday or not. I do know, I watched a little bit of an interview with him, I think on Saturday after his round. And uh, I looked at my wife and I just said, Cynthia, he looks a lot more relaxed and at peace with himself than I've seen him in an interview in a very, very long time. Now, he was playing the role of host. It's his tournament. and uh, but, but as he talked about the cause, as he talked about uh, helping kids and promoting STEM programs across the country and around the world, which is a laudable cause. I mean, well done. You know, he talked about the fact that they had helped 150,000 children, but he said, it's just not good enough. He said, I want to help millions. And it was like, okay, all right, you go, boy. Well done, sir. Way to to remain focused. I like that. You know, his focus as an athlete is, you know, beyond question. But, um, But obviously his focus has been diverted over the recent years because of Things that have gone wrong in his personal life. Again, I don't think he'll ever win a major again. I think Jack Nicklaus's record is safe. Um, it wouldn't have bothered me at all if he'd have broken the record had he been a good person along the way. But, um, you know, live and learn. And hopefully he's learned and is becoming a better man. And uh, that was kind of fun to see. So I'm pulling for him to do well. So there. Time for the morning show 180. Look back at the radio program in 180 seconds or less. It was on this date in 1955 that Montgomery boycott of the busing system began after the arrest of Rosa Parks. The organized boycott began on this date in 1955. Ash Carter, outgoing secretary of defense. I guess when you're on your way out, there's a liberty there. There's a sense of freedom where you can say things that you might not have said before. And he's saying the United States must remain engaged militarily in Iraq along with the coalition which is a remarkable departure from the stated policy of Barack Obama during his entire tenure as president of the United States. It was a backhanded way for Ash Carter to say, yeah, the president's been wrong on this policy and we we now know this. Just saying. College football playoff is set. It will be Alabama-Washington, Clemson-Ohio State, the two semifinals. Florida State plays Michigan. I suspect those tickets are probably close to gone already. So get your tickets, or you're going to be buying in the secondary market, which you might be anyway. But that's going to be a really entertaining football game to watch, I think. I suspect it will be. One of the prop bets, will Jim Harbaugh wear a a sweatshirt? And if so, will it be tucked in to his khakis? We're thinking steak and milk is the pregame meal for Coach Harbaugh. Don't know about Coach Fisher. The rest of the bowl schedule, I think, is basically garbage. Iowa, Florida. I'm sorry, Florida fans, I'm not trying to pile on but you've got a dreadfully boring offensive football team. It's awful. That that game just, it could be bad. And I, just, I personally think Iowa's going to win. But I hope, Florida, you prove me wrong. I really want you to win that game. I really do. Uh, it's now discrimination to hire people that don't speak English. Just saying, you can't require that. <laughs> and Hawaii's getting ready for more snow. Back with you tomorrow.